The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on Vow FM. That's Voice of Vits. We are broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mdiwa Mab, Justice Kavaza, and I'll be your host for the show tonight. Who's to say that business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we unpack um, the world of business and keep you educated and intrigued. For tonight's show, we're going to be focusing on the issue of franchising um for those who were listening just a few minutes ago when i was talking about it uh we we are going to be focusing on um those people that have um businesses that are tied to another brand so for example a steers an engine garage a mcdonald's a kfc and the like where you can own uh the business but then the but still sort of be sending off the profits to uh, the main brand and have their uniforms their way of doing business and the like that is called franchising. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We have um, some people from McDonald's that are going to be telling us what it means uh, to actually be a franchisor uh, because we actually have to define some of these terms because a franchisor is the person who sort of owns the brand, so like a McDonald's or a KFC or a Steers, and then the franchisee is the person who uh, owns a particular outlet or branch of that brand. So if, for example, my technical producer Gwinch um, owns an engine garage in Bramfontein. Engine is the franchisor. You see, I'm speaking into his life right now. <laughs> engine is the franchisor uh, because they are the owner of the engine brand, the uniforms, the trademarks, everything. But uh, Gwinch then becomes the franchisee because he is the one who has taken on the franchise and is running it as his own business. So that's what we're going to be looking at. As I said, we're going to be having some people from McDonald's telling us about life on the franchise war side. Uh, we're also going to be talking to a franchising consultant around why you should actually get into the business itself and some of the things you should be looking out for. And then we have a lady um, on the other side of that who's going to be telling us about life of a franchisee. So we're going to be looking at it from multiple angles. So that's how the show is going to be looking like for the next hour or so. Also coming up on the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our business wrap. Um, that's a part of the show where we give you a lineup of uh, uh, the roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And we have our financial expert, Zanele Kunene from BDO Wealth Advisors, who's going to be giving us that. And then on the other side of that, um, Elna is going to be coming through and we're going to be giving you the state of your 100 rand in our Buffalo Index. But remember that you can keep in touch with us, join in the show, tell us um, if franchising is a business model you'd want to get into or if already you own a franchise how has your experience been you can find and follow voice of vits on social media at the following on facebook we have our fm that's voice of vits and then you can find our own facebook page we have uh, the vits radio academy page and then on twitter we are at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz 0840784912 that's our whatsapp line and you can stream the station live on www.vowfm.co.za Remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz show will be available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So that's how the show is looking like. Make sure you don't turn that down. Make sure you keep it locked. We're here until about 7 p.m. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show. We give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line to unpack all of this is Zanele Kunene, who is our financial expert from BDO Wealth Advisors. How are you, Zanele? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? No, 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 I'm doing all right. Um, as we begin today, I understand that the week has been a week of a lot of numbers being announced and a lot of those numbers have had uh, precipitous consequences on the rest of the economy. Uh, what's going on this week? Well, this week um, we found out that we were in a recession. <laughs> and is, every time we think about recession, it has a bad connotation to it, but there are some really good um, elements to it, you know. And one of the, uh, I'm just going to name two, but the first one is that it forces government to make tough decisions, especially um, right now, because when, uh, when Minister Lantanene is going to be delivering his speech um, in, in October, the midterm budget speech, he has to tell, tell us 
um, provide solutions to how is he going to deal with um, recession? What is the government going to do about it? Because if he doesn't, Moody is going to downgrade us. And when Moody downgrades us, um, the city will automatically be removed from the City World Government Bond Index, which will force all the managers to sell um, the South African bonds. That will drag money out. Um, another tough decision that's also going to be need to be made is that the Reserve Bank have to let us know what's going to happen with the interest rate. You know, since inflation has been increasing and the rand has also been depreciating, what's going to happen with the um, the interest rates? So it forces it, it forces us to make those um, decisions. Another thing that recession does um, is it causes us to be less wasteful. You know, yeah. um, and by being less wasteful, we know that South Africa has been dealing with a shrinking revenue, you know, and they tried to um, revise that by increasing that and also by increasing um, taxes early this year. Um, but that's also not helping. We also have a whole lot of debt. If you didn't know, South Africa's got debt, guys. We've got a lot of debt. Um, and, and another thing, you know, with the commission inquiry um, currently happening, um, a lot of people are quantifying how much corruption actually costs South Africa. So that's also something else to consider. So when um, the news broke out of the recession, these are the things we have to think about, like what is actually happening um, within these sectors? But for the numbers, let's speak numbers. Yeah. Um, the agricultural sector... Um, decreased by about 29%. Um, but Ramaphosa reassured us today. He said that the drop was because of um, the there was low production of field crops as well as there was late rains and late harvests and that it will all recover because now um, the seasons are going to be doing the right thing. Um, as well, transport and trade also decreased by about 4.9%. Yeah. Um, and we also had a... We also had a fuel increase. It wasn't much, but consumers, we know we felt it. It wasn't a big increase, but we felt it. Um, as well, good news, our net exports did increase by about 13.7. So that is something good. At least we are we are exporting. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. And then has this had any sort of consequences? I think a story that we've been talking about quite a lot over the last couple of weeks has been the RAND. What has been um, the effect on that uh, particular aspect? The thing about the RAND, hey, in the past weeks, um, it's been quite unfortunate that the RAND has been carrying a lot of the, um, the weight, or it's been carrying the weight of all the other emerging markets. So if something happened in Turkey, we felt it. If something happened in Argentina, we felt it. Um, but when the news of the recession broke, the RAND fell by about 5%, like immediately, boom. It was like, whoop. <laughs> so, five percent. Um, yeah, so it has had a massive impact. And um, the rand is now of fifteen rand thirty one cents. That's that's big, guys. That's a loaf of bread. Um, so yeah, against the dollar though. So are there any are there any other effects or any other numbers that uh, people should be actually looking um looking to right now that's the first thing and the second thing is um is this really a recession or is this more um just numbers saying that we're in a recession no, it is a recession um, because you are feeling it as a consumer. You are seeing it in um, in our employment numbers. I, I don't. Um, I think it was a month ago we spoke about um, South Africa's employment unemployment rate, and those numbers were pretty high. And that is an indicator of that you are entering a recession. Uh, job in, employment goes down. Um, you also look at. Not consumer, but business confidence also goes down. A lot of businesses aren't expanding. You know, they're not creating those opportunities because, um, you know, we are in, in, in that, we are in a recession environment. And other numbers people could also consider is what are other agencies saying? Um, Moody's Investor Service, they said that they are actually relooking their um, GDP forecast for South Africa for the 2018 year. And they initially said we would probably have a GDP of about 1.7. And now they've re-looked that amount to about 0. Point, they put in a bracket of 0. 0.7 to about 1. So they're expecting that our, our economy is not going to grow that much because of how everything's looking, because of how our country is being run at the moment. 
So you heard right there that was us with Zanele Kunene, who is our financial expert from BDO Wealth Advisors, giving us a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. As you heard, the two big stories at the moment is the fact that um, South Africa has actually entered into a recessionary phase. And uh, you heard there that uh, the GTP numbers uh, recently came out and a lot of them were negative. As you heard, though, from the breakdown that she gave, some of them were negative, some of them were positive, but the net effect is that our GDP figures are down and one of the subsequent effects is the fact that the rand has actually come down quite a bit I think a big one that actually happened yesterday was the fact that the rand um, came down uh, uh, lost some value and came down to the 15 rand 50 mark which it hasn't done in almost two years so that's it in terms of uh, the business wrap for today I'm um, on the other side of this we tell you the state of your 100 rand keep it locked this is the business buzz the, the business does. This is the business buzz. We're talking franchising today. But before we get into the nitty gritties, it's time for us to tell you the state of your 100 Rand and our Buffalo Index. And I have my uh, executive producer, Elna Schutz, in studio uh, to give us a roundup of what 100 Rand looks like today in September. How are you, Elna? I'm very well. I'm going to, I'm already looking forward to this conversation today. Okay. Because. I don't know. It sounds it sounds a little bit like a good idea to get a franchise. I mean, yeah. but on the other hand, the creative in me is like, I don't want somebody else's idea. Yeah, I want to start a business from scratch. So oh. I'm excited to hear. Okay, so what do you have for us today? So if you are wondering, should I go into a franchise? Should I invest in that? A good place to start is, is obviously, you know, get some good knowledge. Yeah. Read up on it. Yeah. And, you know, ask the right questions like your creative control, like I mentioned, whatever it might be. So one place where you can get those answers is a book called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Invest in a Franchise. Oh. Okay. Pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's written by a franchising expert, expert Dr. John Hayes, and it would cost you just 150 rand, so one and a half buffaloes. Um, and apparently, it's really just a must-have for anybody who wants to, you know, begin their franchise exploration, see yeah. if this is something they want to do. And I think so often we sort of pick something and run with it that it's probably good to ask yourself these questions. You're going to need those answers down the line. Yeah. So that's that's one option. But if you're like Elna, even 150 bucks, <laughs> I'm not that serious about this franchise thing. There is a good free resource you can use called whichfranchise.com. Um, and there's lots of franchise information up there, advice and opportunities. And the thing that I really love about it is that it is South African. Ooh, yeah. I, actually, I actually said that incorrectly, whichfranchise.coza. Okay, cool. Because not .com because it's very local yeah. and um, it's one of the top franchisee recruitment websites um, around here and the great thing is it doesn't just give you the knowledge so there is the step-by-step guide how to open a franchise they have great insights they do franchising uh, training courses all that kind of stuff mm. But on top of that, they also put up listings and possible opportunities. And they, uh, these are categorized according to your financial range. So maybe I'm in the sort of the steers. You're like little Shisanyama range. <laughs> maybe you're in the Louis, Louis Vuitton franchise the range. Levels, yeah. yeah. So that's one good option. Okay, cool. Uh, I actually like the fact that they're providing this whole service for free. I think that's a big thing for me because, you know, people always stingy with the information. So if there's someone out there who's willing to teach, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you start on a website like this and, and you, you know, you wait your appetite a little bit, then you might say, okay, let me pay for a book or a course. Let me take this seriously. But you need to start somewhere with, with you know, with the free stuff. But... um if he said to me, Elna, that's great, but I actually know exactly that I want to go into this. Yeah. I thought I'd break down for us, even though it's a lot more than a few buffaloes. <laughs> what does a franchise actually cost? Yeah. Do you, do you want to guess? Okay. Uh, five million? A uh, million? 
Well, you definitely are in the like Louis Vuitton (laughs) range, yeah. Um, So, if we take an example of a fish and chips store or fish and chips, um, its name, uh, they were in the top ten of fast food restaurant categories for Sunday Times top brand. Yeah. Um, Two years running, a little while back, and the setup costs are seven hundred thousand rand, so seven thousand buffaloes, which okay. It's yeah, under a million. It's quite a bit, but it's, it's a under bit. a million. Yeah, it's yeah. under a million. But then on top of that, so inside of that, there are the um, setup fees included, but you do have to pay a weekly royalty fee of 800 bucks, eight buffaloes, and then another eight buffaloes for your marketing fee weekly. Yeah. So you are paying them. And that agreement is every five years is the renewal. Um, but they thankfully also uh, do all kinds of sort of turnkey business solutions like training and offer support. They give that to you. So as we go into this discussion today, that's basically what you need in the numbers. Uh, I'm actually, those numbers are actually quite, quite big. Hmm. Yeah. So I actually wonder, I'm actually interested to ask our, our, some of our guests if any of them are actually, if there's a way to actually get some type of funding from the franchisor, uh, as a franchisee, you know, because imagine I'm just me and I have no credit history whatsoever and I need, let's say the 700,000. And from the numbers I've, I've heard in my research, that's actually on the lower end, yes. you know. So imagine, you know, when you're on the Louis Vuitton, like what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I also in my research have found some options around financing. So I think if you're listening to this and you're like, yo, I'm tapping out, that's yeah. too much. Just stick around because I think there are some options. And, you know, maybe a franchise is one of those things that you um, you you do as a young person or, or towards the beginning of your entrepreneurship or career, and then you build on it. Then yeah. you try something else. You know, maybe it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. So you heard us. That was us in our state of your 100 rand. That's the Buffalo Index. Uh, we're talking about some of the costs involved in either getting some franchising knowledge or actually getting into an actual franchise. So on the other side of this, we get into the actual discussion around franchising. Uh, we're going to be talking to some uh, to a franchisor, to a franchisee, and a franchising consultant around what it means to franchise. So yes, keep it locked. To on the other side of this, this is 88.1. The, the business buzz. We are talking franchising today on the Business Buzz. Uh, but before we get into our discussion, remember that you can keep in touch with us on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vits. You can also find our Facebook page, that's the Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. Uh, we're going to start our discussion just talking to a an expert around the issue of franchising. We have uh, Melissa Eva on the line, and uh, she is a franchise franchising um, consultant with Franchising Plus and she's going to be giving us some ins and outs of what it means to get into the franchising business. How are you, Melissa? I'm great. How are you doing, Madiwa? I'm doing all right. Um, Thank you so much for being on our show. Um, As we begin, um, when opening a franchise, you don't, you know, start a business from scratch, but you're sort of building uh, from someone else's success. Um, What does it actually take um to open a franchise well medina firstly it's uh, i was listening to alma a little bit earlier on and um she's quite correct in saying maybe franchising is not for her and franchising isn't really for everybody so you need to make sure that firstly you the right profile to be a franchisee because if you if you're going to follow rules and things like that then franchising is for you. But if you're not going to follow guidelines and maybe you're too entrepreneurial or too creative in your in your spirit, um, then you're not going to be a happy franchisee because you're going to want to be doing things your own way. So it's important to do a self-assessment um, to ensure that you're actually going to be happy to follow rules and guidelines um, when running your business. So being the right profile would be the first step. And then secondly, I would say you, you'd need to do a hell of a lot of research um, in terms of the franchise opportunity that you want to invest in. So picking a franchise is a lot like picking a husband or a wife. So you need to be quite detailed because it is a medium to long-term investment and you need to, you need to make sure that you're going to be the right fit and that the brand is going to be the right fit for you. And then lastly, I would say 
you need cash to invest in the business. As you as you guys uh, alluded to a little bit earlier, if you're going to start any business, you need to have funds available to invest into that business. So what does the typical relationship look like between the mother company and the franchisee? Does it uh, practically end up being more or less easier than doing it alone? Or are there uh, specific challenges that then come with having um, someone to report to like a franchisor? So franchising is a is a relationship, and we we like that word relationship, and it's actually a partnership. Um, so both the franchisor and the franchisee do need each other for mutual benefit. So it is like a codependent relationship. So the job of the franchisor is to train and support the franchisee. So it should be easier than going alone. So it should be easier to become a franchisee because you trained and, and supported on making your business a success rather than going on, on your own where you're a little bit blind and, and you're on your own. You've got nobody to bounce ideas off um, and, and take successes from. So in terms of that, how do you, how do people then go about fostering these uh, particular relationships between the franchisee and franchisor? Is it all just about the money or do franchisors tend to have some type of training um, to start building these relationships? So typically before opening a franchise, um, a franchisor should train the franchisee. Um, and then they should have monthly interactions and almost act like a business consultant to the franchisee where they assist them on a monthly basis by reviewing the business performance and planning for the future. Um, so it's all about communication and, and a relationship that both are going to benefit for. So a franchisor is only successful if the majority or all of these franchisees are successful. So if both parties have that understanding, um, it should be a healthy franchise relationship. And then in terms of that as well, one of the things that we wanted to really ask you is the fact that we have a lot of young listeners uh, for our show, um, given that this is a a campus radio station. Would you advise um, younger people to actually consider getting into franchising, especially we spoke just now about some of the financing costs and implications, for example, that come um, with franchising. Um, Franchisors tend to want you to have a certain amount of money uh, before you open your business. So is it something that you'd advise young people to get into? So I think, you know, to be honest, there are a lot of unethical and unscrupulous franchisors out there. Um, so it's a very risky risky thing to get into if you haven't done your research properly. So I think franchising, when it's done well, is the most beautiful business mechanism, especially for a younger person who doesn't maybe have the or business skills, the whole point of franchising is that you learn that from the franchisor and you benefit from their proven business model or business concept. But unfortunately, in practice, as you mentioned, the barrier to entry, uh, we don't see a lot of younger fran- uh, franchisees out there, is the cash that you need to be able to invest in the business. So that that is where the balance sort of goes out. So from that point of view then, because I like the fact that you said it's it can be the most beautiful um, business structure that a person can come up with. Um, what types of franchises are popular then at the moment and which would you uh, recommend as sort of being good as a way to start out? Because we understand that when it comes to franchising, there are, there are few garages, there are fast food places. I think in some cases they can be department stores. So is there a particular industry that might be a bit better for franchising or is it sort of the same across the board? I love this question because I think <laughs> as South Africans, we always think food. Uh, we think fast food, we think restaurants, uh, we think pubs. Uh, and in reality, only about 25% of the franchise opportunities available in South Africa currently are food related. So. As I mentioned, choosing a franchise to invest is like choosing a wife. So practically speaking, I can't say what will work for one party um, over and above another party. Um, At the moment, I think the health and beauty industry is growing quite nicely. Um, Beauty salons and things like that are are becoming more and more popular. But what what one really needs to do is do a self-assessment in terms of your personal preferences in terms of the capital you have available, where your passions and where your skills lie. And that is when you choose what what business you can make a success of. So, for example, what a lot of people don't realize is that they love the idea of running a pub or a a food restaurant, 
but that takes work on, on the weekends and late nights on the weeknights. So, for example, if you're quite a serious footballer and you've got um, training on weeknights and you've got tournaments and matches on weekends, you're never going to be in your business if you choose a fast food business or a restaurant to operate in. So things like that need to be taken into consideration um, when deciding what franchise to choose uh, to invest in. So it really is about a self-assessment and understanding where your skills and passions lie. It doesn't help me to tell you invest in an educational franchise if you don't like working with kids. So you know, all of these <laughs> things need to be taken into account when deciding what will be the best business opportunity for you. And then lastly, we understand franchisors tend to have um, rules and sort of regulations around how they want um, their franchisees to run and operate their businesses. But if, as, but if me as a franchisee do not agree, uh, for example, with the way in which a marketing campaign is going to be run or is being proposed, for example, what are some of the rights and freedoms to sort of break away um, from uh, the franchisor to franchisees to have in the market? So, unfortunately, we always say franchising is not a democracy. <laughs> uh, and the franchise always proven the business system, so they know what works and doesn't work for the business system. And unfortunately, what some franchisees don't always realize is that a franchisor makes a decision based on 100 or 200 franchises, where the franchisee is only seeing the benefit for their one little business. The franchisor's job is to make the the best decision which benefits the group as a whole. And sometimes franchisees can't see that because they're only seeing their business in isolation. But usually in a good franchise environment, a franchisor will definitely consult with their franchisees because their franchisees are the best point of information. They are the ones that are dealing with the clients and the market on a day-to-day basis and they know what's happening and what the the trends are and things like that. So a franchisor would usually... um, communicate and liaise with the franchisee as to what's happening and listen to their franchisees. They might not always take that advice, but they do definitely listen to the franchisees and take that into account when taking decisions. Uh, As to breaking away from a franchise, um, a franchisee will sign a a franchise agreement with a franchisor and it's usually around five years. So like any agreement, if you're going to exit that early, there will be penalty clauses. It's like signing a lease agreement for two years and wanting to leave early. And those clauses are there to protect both parties that, you know, what you're agreeing on is what you're going to do. So if you're going to change your mind about that and wanting to break away, then, um, you know, that would be... uh, that would be for the contract to say what happens in that scenario. That was us who were talking to uh, Melissa Eva, who is a franchising consultant uh, with Franchising Plus. Uh, she was just giving us a roundup of what the industry um, actually looks like. A big takeaway from me is when she said that she believes that franchising can be the most beautiful business model because you're just basically taking what's been done, um, what has been proven uh, by someone else and sort of applying it and adding your own sort of twist. Uh, but at the same time, one of the things she just ended off by saying was the fact that franchising is not a democracy. You sort of have to color in within the lines, uh, which which as a business owner is not always a bad thing. Uh, but for the more creative and more free spirited people out there, it might just be. So you have to decide for yourself if franchising is the thing for you. So that was us with our franchising consultant. On the other side of this, we're going to be talking uh, to the people from McDonald's to let us know know what it means to actually be a franchisor and why you should become a franchisee. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. Franchising, that's what we are talking about on the business bus today. We just came from uh, talking uh, to Melissa Eva from uh, Franchising Plus, giving us uh, an overview of what the franchising landscape looks like. But right now, we want to delve more into the business itself. And on the line, we're joined by uh, Joanne DeVette, who is uh, from McDonald's. She is uh, the supply and operations officer there. And she's going to be giving us uh, what it means uh, uh, for McDonald's to be a franchise. And perhaps why you as our listeners should be considering McDonald's as potential franchisees. How are you, Joanne? I'm well. Um, Good evening and good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much for being on the show. As we begin our discussion, uh, please could you just tell us a little bit around um, the franchising model and system that is used by McDonald's in South Africa? So the franchising model in South Africa 
is um, one as um, you know globally referred to as a development licensee or master franchisor. So we have an independent owner, not owned by the the US um, per se, and who has the right to grow the franchise brand within South Africa and to be in a position where um, we could also sub-franchise to conventional um, licensee. A conventional licensee in the context of McDonald's is an individual who owns the right um, to trade um, McDonald's products um, under the the McDonald's global uh, um, brand. So, in terms of that, well, what has been, from McDonald's point of view, uh, sort of the general mood and sentiment in South Africa and the market just around franchising as a whole? Uh, you've already mentioned the fact that in South Africa there's an independent owner already for the South African uh, brand of McDonald's. But in terms of um, the franchises that do happen here, how has been the take-up and how are people actually... Uh, taking it up in terms of the costs, ownership, hiring, and obviously sending profits back to head office. So it has been very um, positive. Uh, McDonald's has been within South Africa in excess of 23 years. And we started off with the franchising model from the very beginning. In the early days, the model was was what was referred to as a joint venture model, where um, McDonald's as a, as a corporate um, owned 50% of, of a franchise yeah. and allowed uh, and, you know, an, an incoming partner to own 50% of a specific location with the intent of owning and migrating to 100% ownership. Ah, okay. So all our current franchisees, there's a total of 33 franchisees in the country. Yeah. There's a total of 262 restaurants in all nine provinces within South Africa, and close to 50% of them are owned by independent franchisees or what McDonald's would refer to as owner-operators. We specifically do not recruit or partner with individuals who want to own the, the brand from an equity perspective, but are not prepared to operate um, each and every outlet as an extension of an existing, or what we would refer to, our existing CEO. So we have 33 franchises with an average of um, three restaurants each. And some of the bigger franchisees own up to a maximum of nine. Our biggest franchisee actually owns nine restaurants. So if you compare us in the food franchise industry, we don't necessarily chase after a number of outlets as a number, but we focus on driving market share and expanding our footprint in a sustainable manner, in a manner in which our franchises can generate wealth, in a manner in which we can generate wealth, but at the same time, responsibly grow the footprint so that we can recruit out of the communities in which um, we operate we operate or open a location um, um, specifically. Um, I like the fact that you had uh, had started getting into the numbers around how many restaurants are there and you've just told us that um, the average number of restaurants owned by your franchise is about three with the most being about nine. And I think that leads very well into the next question of um, in the market in South Africa, what makes um, owning a McDonald's different from owning um, any other brand um, in the franchising space that McDonald's competes with? So what makes it quite unique is, I think it's one of the comments I've mentioned um, in, in responding to your, your former question, is we look for partners that are not equity stakeholders. We are looking for partners that are prepared to own and operate their business. So we're also interested in the sweat equity of that particular franchisee or owner-operator. Yeah. Because they're at the forefront of the brand, driving both the penetration within in, in the community and it's a recognizable face. So it, when, when people are engaging with McDonald's, you're not just engaging with a golden arch. Uh, it gives the community an opportunity to engage with a particular individual. So that's one of those unique traits that sits as part of what we see as an imperative around one of our culture pillars internally. So internally, one of our culture pillars, believe it or not, is being better together. 
So we focus on our franchise legs. We focus on um, our, um, you know, our, our head office or corporate structure. And at the same time, we focus on the community and um, suppliers in which we engage. So that's a, a key area that we believe we differentiate in. And we also understand that you can create wealth in a very, very nimble fashion by owning two or three restaurants versus owning 50 restaurants and having a diluted <laughs> ROI. <laughs> um, so then finally, in terms of uh, our young listeners out there, because uh, uh, we have a lot of young listeners and I'm sure a lot of them might be asking themselves, uh, what are some of the, the tips and advice uh, you might have for young people that may be wanting to own a McDonald's or a couple of McDonald's um, in the future. Now, what should they be prepared for? What are some of the misconceptions that uh, the market is lying to them about? What should they be expecting? So I think the first thing I would say to them prior, you know, for, just before I even respond to the McDonald's specific, if you are interested in entering the franchise space, my first recommendation to all the listeners, all the young budding entrepreneurs is to define whether or not you want to be an independent entrepreneur or whether or not you want to be part of the franchise system. It's very different to be an entrepreneur where you have the flexibility to innovate and influence the direction um, that you shape your vision as an entrepreneur. Within the McDonald's system specifically, we so you've got to you've got to do quite a bit of research first and identify. You know, do you want to become an entrepreneur? Do you become a franchisee? If you make a decision to go within the franchising space and food specifically, do do your research, do your homework. Don't just interview for, or don't just apply um, to become a franchisee. Also, interview the prospective franchise partner. We go through a lengthy process to expose any budding entrepreneur to our business model. The first part of the phase outside of actually just applying is actually going and doing a three-day on-the-job evaluation. Three days within the McDonald's system, working three very different shifts over our 20-hour, 24-hour trading period, which gives the budding entrepreneur or the budding franchisee an opportunity to interview us from behind the counter and get a taste for what it would be to be a a McDonald's um, franchisee. What is very positive is, is that we have an extensive network with our franchise partners. So any direction in which we want the entire organization to move into, we spend a significant time doing research and a significant time spending time with our owner operators, concluding and agreeing on a direction in which we we will pursue in a very aggressive manner in a very short period of time. It is an opportunity to create wealth, but it's also an opportunity to to do good um, within your community, because we do quite a bit of um, there's quite a bit of community involvement, which is led by our franchise league, um, over and above some of the corporate um, charities, such as our we've got a Ronald McDonald House of Charities, and we've you know we've got 27 rooms in the Nelson Mandela Mandela Hospital in Johannesburg that we where we um, contribute the majority of our our um, fundraising efforts towards. Uh, or focus it towards. So any individual interested in, um, you know, a brand such as McDonald's, very exciting, very fast moving, but be prepared not just to bring your your capital, but we are interested in your sweat equity as well. So you heard they are interested in your sweat equity. If you're a young person, uh, the advice coming through from Joanne is that you need to go and familiarize yourself with the business and do your research before you get into it. On the other side of this, we get into uh, the story of an actual franchisee and how she um, has actually come up to owning her own garage. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. We're talking franchising. We just came 
from talking to a lady from McDonald's telling us what it means uh, to be a franchisor. Uh, but right now we want to get into what it means to actually own your own franchise. And on the line we are joined by Lydia Ramatisa, who is a franchisee. She actually owns her own um, engine garage, but she has a very unique story. And I'm going to let her tell us all about it. How are you, Lydia? I'm fine, thanks, and you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, as I've just mentioned, you have quite uh, uh, quite a powerful story about how you actually became um, the owner of your own engine garage. Please could you just tell your listeners a little bit about that? Okay, thank you. Thank you, I would like to let you guys and everybody. And thank you for giving me this great opportunity to tell the story I'm coming from. Yeah. Yes, but... Did you read about me? It is true. <laughs> it was it was not easy. Yeah. I started I think I started in two thousand and uh five when I started the job. I started as a baker. Yeah. Yes. I I fell pregnant at school grade eleven. I was in grade eleven. I had to leave the school. Because I was pregnant, I have to provide for my child. Then it was so difficult. Then I told my mom, no, man, I'm going to look for a job. Because I don't think I will be able to go back to school. So, because I can't provide my child with Ramatisa. Then I went and looked for the job in Jogeton, Biscuit King. Then we were few there a lot. Then they said to us, no, today they're not hired because uh, they're not open. I send it outside for a few minutes to see if something can up, come up. Yeah. Owner of the site told me, I said, are you looking for a job for a young lady? I was 20 years, that's right. I said, yes, I'm looking for the job. He said, you know, I don't have a job now. You can just sing for me, then I will give you 20 rand. I said, you are great. It is great. Then I will have uh, money to go back to home. Yeah. A trans- then I started as a baker. Then... Really, I, I gave in because really I didn't lose focus. I showed them, the owners, that I, I'm looking for this job. Really, really, I'm desperate. Then I started seeing, doing everything using my own common sense. Yeah. I was the, after later then, my boss came and said, wow, we can open today. I, I did, he was so shocked also. They didn't even think to open. But the way I worked, yeah. I told them I'm really, really in need of this job and I want this small biscuit king thing to open. Then it started there, I started earning seven hundred and thirty a month. Yeah. After that, after a few months they raised my salary to eight hundred rent. And then the company didn't work it and then there was a garage and then there's Uncle George next to that biscuit king. Then they said, no, we're looking for someone. Since we know you are a hard worker, can you come and please uh, learn to be a cashier this side? I said, no problem. Then it's where I started my journey. I started working as a cashier. I worked hard when the bosses are out. I was intending to take a responsibilities and I wanted things to work. I saw when my boss uh, going, say, okay, we're going. I didn't take any advantage of them. I worked even if I was, it needed me to work overtime. I was looking if everything is okay before I go. And my motto in life, it was to respect people and customers. If I see something, it was not there or what. I was not waiting for my manager or my, my boss to tell me this or I was saying, this is not my job. I was taking everything. Then my, my, my boss saw potential to me. That you, you know, Lydia, you're working so hard. I say, thank you very much. Then my boss said, can, can, you, can you be able to work at the office? I said, okay, that one is heavy, but I will try. I'm, I'm willing to learn anything. Then my boss said, okay, let's give it a try. It was a few months when I started as a cashier. Mm. I went to work in the office. And then when I see there, when they're like inspectors from engine, when they come on the site, they do regular inspection on the site to see what what is new or are we keeping on complying on the uh, standards. Yeah. Giving customers what they should lay out and everything. 
So every time when they are on the site, I see they will be a fight with the bosses. This thing is not right. They will be there. Uh, what do you call? Uh, the sales are low. I think then I sit down and said, Niemann, I need to do something. I went and checked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then I went to went to my boss. I said, I said, you know, I would like to try something. It doesn't mean if you have to go to to university to do something or you see to learn or to be a doctor to learn how to to pick up sales or to do a good business. A small things can turn up the side. Yeah. Can that opportunity to show you what I have. I don't have much. I don't have a, a metric. I don't have, I didn't go to university, but can I use my own common sense? I'm that person I like to do things. I, I like to try, you see. So I started simple with a, a plate. It was a pub and a lab quarter food. It boomed. It boomed. <laughs> when engine people come there, they say, what's going on? They say, so what are you doing? I started baking Maguena on the site. I started implementing uh, drum sticks, yeah. drum salads, chicken salads. I started making stamps too, something like that. You know, the customers went to happy with my food. It was selling. It took the sales double. Outside, I motivated my workers, my co-workers. You know, guys, let's make a chance as a youth. Because Dr. Ibrahim gave us a great opportunity. Let's not uh, play with work because today it's very hard and difficult to find jobs. Let's not play. Please, let's respect the customers and see if we can make a change because my boss was complaining about the sales. It's not picking up. And then they don't think this business is going to make one other time they yet to play the sake. I said, no, I'm not going to let it. Then I went and talked to my staff. I motivated them. Please, please, in life, be focused know what you want, have an aim, you know, and don't undermine anything. If even you went to school or what, just if a little thing can turn into something big, you never know. Yeah. Then we went, my boss saw everything, went up, and then he doubled the sales. My boss said, no, we must get, they, the engine people wanted this, uh, they, they advertised the site, Open Convenience Center, they're where I am today. Yeah. My boss said, no, this opportunity, Lydia. I want you to have your own site. Can yeah. you do it for me? Yeah. I said, I don't know, Doctor Ibrahim. You know, and Jose, my main title was Jose Jardim. I say I don't know. I sh- I don't know because I don't have education. I didn't go. I don't know finance. I said, no problem. Let's just go, please. I closed my eyes. I said, okay, let's go to interview Blue Fountain. There we go to Blue Fountain Engine. We got interview. I was interviewed by UCT Charles with Zinet. The interview and the BBE, BEE person were there. The interview went well. They asked me how I'm going to run the site. Will I be able? I said, for sure, I will run that site. It was shut. The site was shut down for two years. Yeah. Yes, it was not working. Then I said, then they say, okay, Lydia, let's give it that we're giving you the key. We will see. Then till today, it's a successful business. I did never took a got there here in Okni with an intention, having a vision, and it doubled, we doubled, we doubled, we doubled the, the sales also. Yeah. The previous owner of which it was a, a white guy, Antonio, yeah. of which the engine, engine franchises, they surprised to see this sales. So they asking me, how do you do it? I said, you know, only one thing. Yeah. You must focus in life. And if you want something, you will get it if you put focus. Really, because I never lose. I used to work under pressure. I was telling work never kill anybody. Yeah. It never kill anyone. And uh, I'm uh, Lydia, uh, very quickly, because we are running out of time on our show, we just want to give, uh, have uh, one quick question before we go. 
because one of the things you keep uh, you've emphasized is the fact that you didn't have the formal education um, but you've been able to run a very successful business so for you in terms of the lessons learned on the business very quickly in about a mi- in about 30 seconds um, how have you um, learned uh, some of the various factors such as financing accounting marketing human resources and the like along the way to actually run the successful business Yes, as I told you, I've got my mentor as Josie Jatim. Yeah. He me everything. He learned me. He learned, because he was working with engine, with uh, account, accountant, financial, say for 14 years from Uncle George. Yeah. So I heard from him. He taught me everything. He taught me how to work in the computers, those ones, because, but other ones like operations. Operational, I'm very good on operating. When coming to financial statement, you are showing me until now, I'm still learning on GP10 overs, how we're making those things. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to continue. But thank you so much. We're on the line with uh, Lydia Ramatisa, who is a franchisee and owner of her own engine garage. Her story is very inspiring uh, because, as you heard, uh, when she first joined Engine, she was actually a cashier, and then she was able to, uh, w- through hard work and being noticed that she was a hard worker, was then able to apply and become a franchisee. On the other side of this, we end our show. Keep it. This is the business buzz. Justice on the business buzz. That brings us to the end of our show. We're talking about franchising today on the business buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us on social media. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vits, and uh, Vits Radio Academy. We have our own Facebook page. On Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. And the number on the WhatsApp is 0840784912. You can stream the station live on www.vowfm.co.za. And you can also find podcasts of the business bus show on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening to our show. Very interesting show. Uh, we just came from interviewing Lydia Ramatisa, who is uh, an amazing success story of how franchising can actually work as a business model. Uh, we spoke to uh, Melissa Eva, who is a franchising consultant, and we also spoke to uh, Joanne DeVitt, who is from McDonald's, just giving us a roundup of what the industry looks like and what it means to actually franchise out your own business. We hope that you've enjoyed the show, but that brings us to the end. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, Elna Schutz, and our producers, Lengi Mezono and Welcome Lishiva. Our technical producer is Kutluano Serame. Don't miss the business buzz, same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Remember that uh, VAW FM is a 24-hour um, radio station, so on the other side of this, we have the team uh, from Life Beats, so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. For myself, Mudio Mob, Justice Kavaza, and the rest of the team, it's good evening and take care. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. only on Power FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.